I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review, speaking with Matt Merchell from the Orlando Sentinel. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well. Can't complain. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. Is it hot and humid there, too, like it is here, is in, here in Houston? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is actually. I went outside just a little while ago, and it's uh, it's sunny and 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 hot and humid, and it's uh, it's only going to get worse as we get through the going through the summer. So, but uh, it's it's I'm I'm I guess there could be worse things that could be happening weatherwise for us. Yeah, I mean summertime is not even officially here, but it already feels like it in some places. So, okay, you cover UCF among other Florida sports, and with UCF joining the Big Twelve like University of Houston on July first. I wanted to get in touch with you and talk with you. So what is, this kind of a silly question first off, but what's the vibe around UCF campus about joining the Big 12 as it approaches? No, I think the vibe is excitement. I mean, this, this has been going on since, you know, the announcement came out. I think it was, was it last September, uh, you know, when the schools, and, and that, you know, accepted the invitation from the Big 12 when it first came down. Uh, you know, this has been something that UCF fans have been eager to have happen for quite some time. In fact, I think if you remember back in 2013, when the Big 12 was really kind of talking about expansion and, and looking at some other schools, UCF was really one of those schools that had put together a package, a formal interview process and said, listen, here we go. We're interested in, in, in joining that conference. Um, at the time, the Big 12 decided that wasn't the, the direction it was going to go, wasn't going to add any schools. It's disappointing for a lot of, of the UCF fans here, but they felt like, listen, we have enough to kind of show that we're, we're, uh, showcase type school where we're someone that you can bring a lot of potential to the big 12. And then of course, you know, 2017, 2018 happened, uh, you know, obviously UCF goes undefeated. They get to the, you know, they beat Auburn in, in, in the peach bowl. They claim a national championship, you know, just lots of things just kind of went through it. And that really kind of boosted that up. So then when the big 12 comes around this time and they're interested and they take them, you see the fans being really just, you know, overjoyed with this idea of, listen, not only is it going to help provide us more coverage, help give us, you know, a, a bigger brand, get our brand out there and a more national audience. But it's also going to provide us a financial uh, hit, which is really going to help us out as well and, and really kind of help us prove that we believe belong in a, a big Power Five conference. So I, I think that's where UCF fans kind of mentality is going into the summer. And recently you had an article about the American Athletic Conference payouts to member schools. How do you get the information first? And then if you can define the I guess, breakdown of payout in a general scale. You know, UCF was, what was it, like 8.8 million, I think? Yeah, yeah. What, normally what happens is each school, you know, has to turn in, a, it's a, a tax form, and then a 990 tax form. And what I usually do is every year, I've, I've done this, I think, for the last 10 years, I reach out to the, to the conference and I ask for, as, as a um, uh, public records request, to get the, the tax form. And so they send it to me. And in that tax form, it tells you a lot of stuff. It gives you the, you know, talks about, um, you know, what the, the NCA, uh, the grant money that the school, which is basically the revenue that the school is, each school is sent, talks about how much money the conference makes, uh, total revenue, total expenses, breaks down, uh, you know, what the conference commissioner makes. Uh, and then, you know, you get into things like how much money do they get from their media rights deal? How much money do they get from conference championships? Um, and each conference is different how they report it. So it may not look just the same, similar when you put them side by side. Um, and that's where then I, I get look at the schools and, you know, and you can kind of break down what's going on. It's usually, you know, I think people tend to get a little, it, it, the, the, the thing to remember is it's the fiscal year, the last fiscal year. So it's mm -hmm. not from this past year of football or whatever. It's from the year before that. 
uh, when you look at it that way. So sometimes that gets fans confused and they kind of like, well, listen, we went to the Peach Bowl. Why didn't we make this amount of money? Right. It's like, well, that's because it was a year before. So, and and this time around, you know, UCF uh, get, went out and, and got a $8.8 million. They weren't the top uh, among the, the AAC schools. Uh, you know, Cincinnati was that because Cincinnati obviously was in the New Year's Six Bowl game the year before that. Uh, so they got a big bump from that, which which I think was 11, a little over $11 million. There were about three or four schools that were in the $8 million range. Obviously, that number is a lot higher than it's been in the last three or four years because of the new, uh, you know, American Athletic Conference media rights deal, mm-hmm. a billion-dollar deal, you know, that they uh, – 12-year billion-dollar deal. That money went up. Plus, you got to throw in the fact that there's different bowl games and NCAA tournament shares, and that kind of all goes into play. So that's where this all kind of comes out. Navy gets a share. Uh, obviously it's not nearly as much as the other schools because they don't do uh, basketball and w- w- Wichita state gets a share, but theirs is basically all sports except for football. Cause they don't do football. So um, it's a little less as well. So it's, uh, I think it was around $93 million that was ended up being distributed from the conference to, uh, to the schools. I, I got asked this question from some alums, UH alums. It wasn't a huge difference, but why was East Carolina's, revenue uh, just a little bit higher than, than Houston's? Well, it could be, I know specific for each school, but it could just basically be some of it could come down to the bowl game. Some of it can come down to, uh, you know, the, the NCA shares, basketball shares. Uh, they also get some, some revenue from the other co- uh, sports, you know, baseball, mm-hmm. ba- uh, softball, things like that. Uh, there's also some, be some academic revenue okay. that the, the conference is willing to give to some schools based on what their academics are. So it's never really as easy as, you know, like each number is the same when it goes that some years, some schools make more than others. And it just depends on what kind of what's going on um, in the past. For instance, if a school was leaving to go somewhere else, let's say UConn, for instance, was leaving the conference, their payout would have been a little bit less because they would have had the conference taking some of that money out. But this time around, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, all three schools leaving or sh- spreading their payments out over the next two years and they're paying them out themselves, not having the money withheld held out back. So that's basically why the, the money wasn't you know, necessarily equal when you look at East Carolina and Houston. So like I said, I don't have specifics. You'd have to go to dive sure. into school and figure out maybe where that money came from. Now the 8.8 is a boost, mm-hmm. but it does not compare to what Houston, UCF, Cincinnati and BYU will receive in the big 12 what is the difference there between Big 12 payout that they'll receive, I guess, roughly the first two years in the Big 12 to the American? Well, it's going to be huge. I mean, I mean, and, and think about this, too. The first couple of years in the Big 12, all three of those AAC schools aren't going to get their full payout. You know, right. they're going to get ha- they're going to get basically half of what they're supposed to expect. It. That's kind of helping pay off their um, to help pay off part of their entry fees and also to help. You know, that's the way the conference sets it up. So you're looking maybe anywhere from 18 to 20 million dollars that first year. That's huge comparing like you mentioned, 8.8 million dollars. That's literally it's double that. So uh, a lot of schools are, are, are really key on that, you know, and they want to they're eager to get that. Now, once that all goes through, when the new membership kind of goes through, then they'll get back up to what all the other conference uh, other schools are making, which would be anywhere near. I think it's 35 to, to 40 million dollars, depending on what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big payday, and it's the reason why a lot of, of of you know fans and alumni from all these schools were eager to get into the Big Twelve because now that changes everything. That's game changing when you're talking about what you're trying to do, particularly when you're looking at you know collectives, when you're looking at uh, facility upgrades, when you're looking at trying to help you know um, kind of get back up to speed with all your other programs, not just football, 
So it's it's a big payout. And, I, and I'm talking to a couple of athletic directors, you know, they're eager for that opportunity now. Um, they've got expenses they've got to pay, obviously, leaving the American and going into the Big 12. But once that's kind of worked through, eventually that money kind of comes in and it, it really kind of changes your, your athletic department. You have to hire more staff. You have to actually kind of build an, a power five athletic department. And it's going to take a little bit of time for that to happen. But the payout is going to be there. So once they get through that first couple of years, um, it'll start to get back up there as well. So that's why they were eager to see, you know, Brett Yormack come out with a really good media rights deal when he finally got one put together. And I think that they're, they're eager to see that happen. And who knows what happens if the, if the conference expands and they add a conference, maybe that money goes up, maybe you get a little bit more money as well. So there's an opportunity to make more there as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of years. In your opinion, how close or is UCF ready for competition in the Big 12 from an on an athletic perspective, but also administrative? Well, I, I think they're they're close. I mean, I, listen, I, I think all these programs are going to have to take a big step forward in recruiting. Um, you know, you're, you're used to, you're talking about some of the big the Big 12 schools like Texas and Oklahoma. Granted, they're only going to be there a year, but, you know, even, even some of the other ones, you know, Baylor, that, you know, those are programs that maybe were, were able to sign a five-star kid every other year, you know what I mean? And, and maybe get a bunch of four stars. Well, some of these, you know, the UCFs, for instance, that's kind of was their high ceiling was a four-star kid. So now they're going to have to kind of up their, their recruiting process. They're going to have to try to, to add more talent to the field. I think early on, it's going to come through the transfer portal. I think they're going to grab a lot of kids. I know Houston's done this. I know Cincinnati's done this as well. Grab a couple of power five kids, have them come in, help them boost their, their, their roster a little bit. Um, they're definitely going to have to add more depth at the linebacker, more depth at the offensive line, defensive line positions. Those are areas where guys are going to be really kind of in the trenches and they're going to really feel it. Um, and I think administratively, I think this, this, the school is ready to go and, and has the people in place. Now, again, once they get there, they're going to have to figure out how to balance everything going on. Travel is going to be a lot different. It's going to be a, a lot harder to get from, from Orlando to Manhattan, Kansas. You know, So I think right. um, that's going to be a little bit of a, of a challenge for them as well. Also, getting their fan base to travel—that's that's going to be a little bit. But I, I think they're they're excited about it, and um, so I think the pieces are there. I think facility-wise, there's some things they'd like to upgrade. I think they, the stadiums needs a little bit of a of a, of a spit shine here or there to kind of make things a little bit better. The basketball is being done right now. The arena is going to have a twelve million dollar uh, kind of a facelift put on it, you know, to kind of help up there as well. Baseball just got done last year. Softball was done last year as well. But all these other sports, they've got to kind of make sure they get them back up to speed because they understand that, you know, you're this is the big time now. You can't you can't look like a, a little podunk school. You got to go out there and find a find a way to make it work. Is there any heat on well, how warm is the seat for Coach Annie Dawkins, UCF men's basketball? Well, I, it's, you know, I think there's a little bit of it, you know, I think because of the fact that, you know, he lost a lot of players. I mean, a lot of coaches are, and programs are going through this, you know, losing players to the transfer portal, but you're going into the big 12 and, you know, Johnny has coached in, in, a, in a power five league. Mm -hmm. He coached at Stanford. So, and he obviously was assistant coach at, at um, uh, Duke. So, you know, he understands kind of what's going on there. So I think Johnny's going to find a way to, you know, uh, eventually get there and hit the recruiting trail. I think where they're going to have to really kind of up their ante is through the collective. I mean, they're really going to have to hit the transfer portal, try to get enough money in the collective to kind of help themselves out, bring in some players. I think it's going to be a rough couple of years. I could say that about pretty much football as well. I mean, the, okay. the, I think it's going to be a rough couple of years in the beginning, just because, again, you're trying to adjust. You're trying to get everyone on the same page. Um, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and so they have to figure out a way to adapt to that. And, uh, and I think for Johnny, he knows how to coach. It's not like he's a bad coach or anything. 
But will that will there be enough? You know, will they let him go two or three years if they struggle? I'm not sure. Once you're in the Big 12 and once the money starts coming in, uh, the revenue money, then maybe you decide to make a change. But who knows? If he gets the right players in place, maybe he's had some success and and you'll see what happens. It's interesting you mentioned football. You you, you think they might struggle because yeah, I mean, I, I don't well, know. About, for, I mean, seven like seven and five, you know, eight yeah. and four, that kind of thing. I think I think there's going to be some challenges, especially this year. And the reason I I think this year is I think people tend to forget outside the Big 12 schedule, they've got to go to Boise State. And, and that's a long road trip. It's something that they don't usually do a lot of those long road trips. So I think that's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, you look at some of the games they have at home. I mean, obviously, Baylor's going to be around there. Oklahoma's going to be there. That's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, you know, Kansas State is coming off a great year. That's going to be a challenge for them. They don't get TCU. They don't get Texas. So that's 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 going to be good. They get West Virginia. Uh, they get Houston, obviously. And mm -hmm. so I think there's going to be some challenges. I, and, and, and I think – uh, I know UCF fans hate to hear that, but I, I think they also understand that, you know, going with the schedule and everything that's going on, that they're going to be some some bumps in the road. But who knows? I mean, again, they've got a new offensive coordinator. If things kind of kind of step up a little bit and they get a couple pieces here in the offseason through the portal, maybe they got a chance to, to flip that to eight and four and, and or maybe nine and three, depending. But I think this is going to be a rough couple of years just as they kind of make the transition in. Wait, you're, you're scheduling saying UCF, well, saying they'll go seven to five as a struggle. Seven five, eight and four. From a Houston Cougar perspective, UH fans would love for Dana Hogerson to go seventy five the first year in the Big Twelve. They've kind of lowered their level of expectations to like four or five wins this wow. season. So we'll see how that that all plays out. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's just UCF fans. I think UCF yeah. fans have a high expectation, and and but but you know I think a lot of people have tried to temper that a little bit, saying, listen. This is a big jump. This isn't going from, and this is no disrespect, this isn't going from the MAC to the Conference USA. Right. I mean, this is a big jump, and you're going to have to feel this, especially on the road traveling. Uh, it's going to be a, a lot more challenging than you're, you're going to see. And, you know, again, scheduling and, and some of the games, what times they're going to be on. Uh, I think there's some advantages to being here in Orlando. Weather, which we mentioned earlier on in the, in the segment, mm -hmm. weather in, in August can be, and in, in, in September and October can be really muggy and humid. And we've seen a lot of teams come into uh, you know, come into the bounce house and they've been worn out because the, the humidity gets to them. So there are going to be some things that maybe some big 12 teams don't have, have gone through before. So I think that could help them out. But again, they've lost some players to the portal. I think John Rice Plumlee at the quarterback is a huge addition for them. Obviously, you know, he had a, a kind of up and down year last year was hurt. He's come back full strength this year. I think that'll be big for them. So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, to me, I, I always, I'm one of those, I'm trying to be optimistic, but also want to make sure fans understand there's just going to be some bumps they're going to have to deal with. I mean, that's part of being realistic as well. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. Florida State, <laughs> they're in the ACC. In your opinion, at some point, is there a timetable, in your opinion, that you do not see Florida State in the ACC? And if so, how far down the line is that? Well, at this point, you know, I mean, the, it, it comes down to that grant of rights deal. You know, they're locked in. I mean, that, that right. thing is through 2036, and they really don't have a way to get out of it. Uh, you know, if they're really determined to get out or if they can get someone else on their page with them, let's say Clemson or another school that's like, listen, we got, we want to get out. We want to have opportunities. We could go to the SEC, let's say. Then what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to go through the legal route, which means they're going to have to cause a lawsuit. And that's going to take some time. That's going to take some money. And there's no guarantee you'd win that lawsuit. Right. So. If you're Florida State or Clemson or one of those schools, you're kind of stuck. You, you really don't have many options unless something else happens, unless the ACC, there's a huge 
realignment thing and the ACC wants to go out and add some more schools and then that grant of rights deal kind of crumbles and then maybe they, they can find a way out. Until that point, what they're hoping to have happen is they want, they're sitting down having these discussions about you know um, revenue distribution and, and trying to get an unequal revenue distribution where maybe they can get more, you know, Florida State, Clemson, the power schools can get more of that money uh, taking it a little way from the, unfortunately, the, the, the lower uh, schools and try to find a way maybe to help them out. You know, maybe that'll make them a little happier. It's nowhere near going to put them in, any, in the same spectrum as any of the SEC schools or the Big Ten schools. I think, you know, unfortunately, you're going to have to find a new media rights deal. And the problem for the ACC is the Big Ten and the SEC, their media rights deal comes up again right. before this, this one current one ends. So they're going to get another even more money when it comes out. So that's why you're seeing the Florida State AD Michael Alford being like, listen, we got to do something because we're we're struggling. What they're going to have to press the ACC on it, find ways to make us more money, find ways to make deals that we are bringing more revenue, that we could get to the $45, $50 million mark, and maybe we can make that last for a while. Because when you're looking across the way, you're about, what, three hours from, from Gainesville, and you're looking at Florida, and they're going to be pulling in $75, $80 million a year. That's hard to watch and think, man, and that money is going to help build facilities and keep them going. And so I, I think Florida State at this point is going to be around in the ACC for a while, unless something major happens and they all get together and say, maybe we've got a chance to breathe this out legally. And one last thing, Matt, have you spoken to UCF coaches or any UCF people and asked them their impressions of Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark and I guess his footprint that he's placed on the conference in this short time he's taken over? Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to a couple of people. I spoke to Terry Mahajer a couple of months ago. Uh, he has a good relationship with Brett Yormack. I mean, he thinks he's obviously there's a lot of a, a, a buzz surrounding him. He's a, he's a, a kind of the out of the box. I know that's a phrase people hate to use is out of the box, but he's a guy who's definitely thinking, you know, about how can we take this league to a different level, a different spot? You know, I mean, listen, look at this past week. They talked about moving games to Mexico City and you know doing things outside the continental United States and and maybe having. XFL kind of rules in their football where you've got coaches being mic'd up and you can do, I mean, things that would really kind of take this league into maybe a younger generation where people get excited about what's going on. So, you know, I think the, the, the coaches like it. I think the ADs like him. I think everyone feels like he's a good fit for them. He's aggressive. He's not just sitting back. Uh, and, and I think as long as they can continue to do these kind of things and get good deals and, and make the conference move forward, uh, I, I think everyone's happy. Now, what will be a big, player is what happens with the Pac-12. If the Pac-12 decides to, to collapse and these schools leave and join the Big 12, that's even more of a, of a, of a pat on the back, you know, of Brett Yormack. Because, I mean, that again, adds more uh, adds more inventory, adds more games or opponents, um, and really expands the, the league itself. And, and I think then, even then, you know, UCF fans are excited about that idea rather than having a commissioner who's trying to keep the league afloat and trying to make sure everyone's getting enough money to keep the things moving forward. Good to see Coach Malzahn being mic'd up as a big thing. But he, is he all for it? He looking forward to it? <laughs> now, that would be – I don't know if he would do all for that. I don't, I'm not sure if he's a guy that would be um, – I mean, we've spoken to him a couple times. He's he's very reserved. I don't know if he would be excited about doing that. I'm sure if they had to do it, they would do it, obviously. Um, you know, when you think about it, it's – it's um, you know, it, it's. I think all coaches are a little bit hesitant to have themselves put out there because you never know what you're going to hear said. And I think obviously Holgerson's another one at Houston that you got to wonder what he says on the sideline and everything like that. But I think there's parts of what the X, XFL has done and they're talking about that can make the game exciting for fans. You know, if you if you want to hear a coach talking to a quarterback, um, I like how the, in the XFL that 
you could hear what's going on between an offensive coordinator to his quarterback telling him, this is what I want you to see happen. And I've had talked to quarterbacks and coaches who told me, this is great. I would love to do this in college. I'd love to be able to talk to my quarterback all the time in his head, you know, and tell him this is what we're doing because they think that would help the game get even better. So I think there are things that would work really well. Now, again, the coaches being mic'd up might be something that will have to take a little bit getting used to, but I, anything to keep the league kind of looking fresh and afloat. Thank you, Matt. I just, I was uh, intended to call you a few days ago and then we talked earlier today and I'm glad you were able to squeeze me in today. So it was a great conversation. And I look forward to seeing you at some media day function this season and future seasons. Thank you very much. Orlando Sentinels, Matt Michelle. And you take care. Thanks. I appreciate it. Look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.